You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group Line Realty Studio in West Monroe. We always look forward to catching up with Gus Cattengill from uh, ESPN New Orleans. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. What up, Gus? How you doing this morning, bud? Hey, man. Good morning to you. Hey, man. In the 7 o'clock hour, we played, uh, played a couple different clips from uh, Zach Streif and, of course, his uh, retirement announcement uh, yesterday after 12 years hanging up the cleats. Uh, man, I couldn't get enough of it. I continue to watch it. It was good, good stuff. Uh, just can you put into words Zach Streif and what he has meant to this franchise and that leadership in that locker room? It's hard. Um, it, it actually no, actually it's easy. Uh, leadership, professionalism, and um, I would just say just being a good overall teammate. And what I mean by that is, you know, it, you know, you go from where he was drafted to overall just becoming a team captain. When you think about it, you know, to about the bottom end of the draft to becoming a team captain and being a, a voice on the team to being a trusted confidant of the head coach i mean that that's a huge rise when you think about it you know and i think the thing that's interesting to me is we're not talking about a guy that uh got one of the largest contracts you know on on the offensive line at that position or anything of that nature you know to to, to rise up there i'm talking about just like within the organization and franchise and i think it spoke volumes yesterday that you had a bunch of teammates that played with them you had ownership you had um, the head coach and general manager all, you know, holding a press conference for him to be able to say goodbye. So that ought to give you, the, I guess, the the idea of the level of respect that he has over there. And I'll say this, the guy has a huge football IQ and knowledge and way to communicate with people. And really I thought has helped a lot of the young guys, not only on the offensive line, but just anywhere else in that locker room. Um I'd be shocked if he stepped away, stepped away, never to be heard from again in one capacity or so. I mean, look, he just had a brand-new baby. So, I mean, it might be like a month or two old. So I'm thinking, you know, you spend that time there, but it would not surprise me if, say, two, three years, you guys probably know better than me, you know, um, at what age you can maybe start pulling away a little bit and go back to the full-time. But I, I could totally see him being – um, a consultant, an assistant offensive line coach, or somebody that hangs around the facility and is, um, you know, still used to, um, you know, help watch film, help coach technique, things of that nature. I'd be shocked if he, like, literally never walked in airline drive again in some shape or form. It's just, now I, I think, A, he'd like to do that, and, and B, you know, because the whole physical aspect of it's why he's really retiring. But, B, I just think the Saints could really use him, and, and I think it would be a mutually beneficial thing. So, like Brian Young. And the thing is, you always see Sean Payton and Drew Brees carry themselves with composure, and then to see not only Brees crack, but uh, you could actually see uh, <laughs> Sean Payton uh, crack a little bit. So you can certainly see the impact that he had on both of their careers also. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. And like I said, I think – the other element of it, too, Aaron, is, I mean, they're becoming really, really few, right? I mean, left in the hand with two two players. Um, that That's it from, from the Super Bowl team. So, um, 
I mean, what, Morstead and Breeze that I can think of? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it takes a while. I mean, you know, when, when you really think of um, where, where this team has sort of been and, and where it's going. So, um, uh, well, Gus, and I buried the lead. Uh, Zach Streif's press conference yesterday, and now everybody wants to know, well, today needs to be Drew Brees' press conference, right. too. Not a retirement speech, but his new deal with the franchise. Look, I, I, I found it funny yesterday morning, and I get it. And look, um, you know, in today's environment with social media and having to fill time and everything, I look, I mean, it's their job, right? I mean, the NFL Network's counting down from the morning and then at 10 a.m., you know, Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, and it's, you know, the start of the pre-free agency period where people can talk, you know? And, I mean, they're just doing their job and saying, well, Drew Brees has have a deal. Every other team can contact them. And, I mean, before we started the show, an hour before, I mean, my Twitter timeline's going up. The Vikings are pursuing. These people, and I, I'm just laughing because, again, you have to pay attention to listen to what the player says for starters. The player is pretty important. I know Tom Condon's this great agent. At the end of the day, that kind of relationship, and then you look at where you are in your career, it's different. This isn't 10 years ago. Then, yes, I, I could see that being like the way. Which is why I've been telling you guys, we, we, we discussed this throughout the last couple of weeks, the, the Kirk Cousins deal, the Garoppolo deal, the Darren Rodgers waiting. None of that dictates at all where Drew Brees is. It, it's two completely different situations, right? I mean, those other guys building around franchise things, I've said before, this franchise is transitioning. Drew is still the guy. I mean, back on Friday, Mo Wilkerson reportedly, you know, had a chit-chat with the Saints fan and posted a message board saying, hey, he said number one question is where's Drew Wyme signed and when is it happening, you know, because he wants stability at quarterback. He's still one of the reasons people want to come here. He's not going anywhere. Again, you have no backup plan, right? <laughs> so, I mean – you just have to look at what makes sense. He's not going anywhere. I mean, if the Saints would have started reaching out to people and you started hearing, I mean, the NFL circles way, well, 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 too, too small. And if you would have heard the Saints reaching out to other quarterbacks or other teams doing it, yeah, up until yesterday, you hadn't heard a single solidary team even express interest. And the only thing you saw was, the Vikings, as part of the due diligence, because they lost Case Keenum, is making the phone calls around everywhere. And that came out before you realized Case Keenum signed somewhere. So that makes sense. They have no quarterback, literally. They're all free agents over there, Bridgewater, Bradford, and Keenum. So that makes sense. You know what I mean? You're seeing uh, a team fan post site say the Broncos should go on. That's fine. They're saying that. You heard Breeze in January say March 14th. He's the one that threw the deadline out. Mm-hmm. Secondly, that March 14th deadline means $18 million for the cap hit, whether Breeze plays here or he doesn't to the Saints. So the Saints have an urgency to try to get it. And the number third reason why, the reason it's taken so long, it's simple. You have to find out what kind of free agents you're probably going to go after, how to structure that deal. I've been saying for months that number's probably been agreed to upon for a while, the framework, right? That's whether it's, it's one or two years, it would make sense to do two. If you go get your quarterback this year, it can groom for two years. You probably think he has a two-year window, and it's probably going to be anywhere in the neighborhood between 23 and 25. If it's two years, 25, it's 50. If it's two years less than that to make a little more salary cap friendly this year, 
it probably is what I've been told. It's probably going to be somewhere around two for forty-eight. And I'm like, I've been hearing that for a while. So you know, that, that that's where it's going to be. And you know, um, Drew was not going to take away yesterday. And I said that the second the press conference started, we aired it live on our show because it played in the second segment. And Aaron, I'm like, there's Drew, and here's the other important part: there's his wife. There's Drew, there's his wife, there's everybody in there, there's any animosity. Let me tell you something. You guys know this, right? Being in relationships or even just working for a while where it is you work. If things weren't going well, wouldn't it be pretty difficult even for that situation to go there? And the one person that probably wouldn't want to be around there would be your spouse. <laughs> All right? I mean, am I lying or not? Would I have issues at work? My spouse wants to choke people, right, that I work for. I mean, I'm just saying that's, that's how it works. So when they all walk in with smiles and everyone's kumbaya, you can just see this. I mean, I, I read body language for a living being a sideline guy. I just, I'm just sitting there like, um, by the way, he's probably in a, in a building for a reason. Again, nothing this team does is not thought out. Zach Street could have done this Friday. Could have done this tomorrow. Could have done this last week. He, I mean, this, this news came out, what, two weeks ago, a week ago, or something like that, that he was going to retire. They just didn't have the official press conference. Why you do it that day? The pre-free agency period begins. And, oh, by the way, if they're making calls upstairs to potential free agents, and one of them goes, well, what about Drew Brees? What's the latest? Funny you should ask. He's right here. Here's the phone. I know they've used Drew in the past um, to get on the phone and be on the phone call, on a conference call, or on speakerphone. And it does not surprise me in the least bit. Last week, if you stalk them like I do on Instagram and Facebook, you had a walk-on grand opening, digging of the dirt sort of thing, shovel ceremony. Um, he was working out at, if you saw, a you know hotel gym with his kids and everything. So he wasn't in town. He's there. Guess what? You go upstairs. You get everything done. I'm telling you that deal was done yesterday. It'll be somewhat released at some point today. You saw Ian Rappaport this morning at like 6.30, say, yesterday. Both sides got closer to a two-year deal. It's expected to be finalized today. Yeah, exactly. It was done yesterday. <laughs> it's just He's not going to take away from Zach's moment or day. Today is going to be the day you find out. Makes sense on both accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. Gus, what about the reports of this Jimmy Graham? Is that just guys throwing uh, meatballs and spaghetti against the wall and hoping something sticks? No, I, I don't think it, it's it's – hoping that, that it sticks or not. Um, again, that's one of those things where it makes sense to an extent. I, I, I'm not. You know, I mean, if he wants to come back for five, five and a half, six, maybe. You know, I'll even go the Fleener route because you, you paid Fleener seven mil. So I'll accept seven, right? I'm not giving Jimmy Graham ten or more. I, I just there's, – there's too deep of tight end class. And, and like I've always said, don't confuse need um, – and I said it uh, to you guys on Friday. Don't confuse need with, with with a hasty, you know, hasty decision. You know, you break up with somebody, and all of a sudden you go, okay, I'll just take the first available. That's probably never going to wind up being a good relationship. Just take your time and do your due diligence. There's some good tight ends in the free aging market, but I wouldn't even go that route. Uh, there's some really good tight ends in that first round. Now, if you do see them be aggressive for Jimmy Graham. You know, you see the Packers, you see the Raiders being as teams that kind of want him as well. Well, then maybe that gives you a hint. This is what I would tell Saints fans. Over the next couple of days, and the Saints have done very good in maybe making a top free agent splash and then going in that secondary market and finding some nice players, right? Like A.J. Klein wasn't the day one signing that everybody, you know, 
writes home about, but for the Saints it was a big deal. Um, look to see just how much of those top three needs would be. What I mean by that is, remember when we always talk, what would be the, the three positions I always say that you want to see the team go with the first round pick? If they happen to be some of the free agent feelings, two of those three, and they're not quarterback, they're pretty much hinting they're going to go that route. I just, I, I just, I have a feeling when you look at it from that way. Everything to me tells me if this is the year, you, you go do it. And I think it's because you're pretty solid at everywhere else. You're looking to fill holes here. You're not looking to recreate your team or reshape it. You're looking to add depth to the pass rushing line. You're looking to add depth and athleticism to linebacker. You're looking to add depth to maybe pair with that shutdown corner and really make it a shutdown corner. You can go get a nice corner um, to really help you and things of that nature. Um, so that's why I, I'm looking at it that way. It's not like last year where you needed playmakers, you needed everything. Um, I think the Saints can be aggressive from that aspect. So pay attention to that over the next couple of days. Who exactly is it going? If you start seeing them fill some holes, then that means that they go in the draft with, you know, I don't know, what was it, like six, seven picks, and, and can really be aggressive. And, and Mickey kind of even alluded to that over at the combine, that it can do that. So I, I'd be looking for something from, from, from that nature for sure. Gus, we want to hear more. What do we need to do? Hey, 12 to 3 each and every day. Tune in radio apps the way to follow. You can just uh, tweet at us, at ESPN Radio. Know that we always have questions of the day. We always love you to chime in. Where's Junior this morning? I don't hear him. He's uh, in the other room. Eating his breakfast. Nice. That's why. Go join him. He's, he's Thank happy. You, bud. <laughs> All right, bud. <laughs> Later. Bye. Guys, Captain Gill, join us uh, every Tuesday morning around 8 o'clock or so. Good stuff on the Saints. He believes the deal is done, signed, sealed, and delivered. Will be announced later today. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think we all kind of believe that, right? I, I'm expecting an announcement today just because they can't possibly allow this to go to tomorrow. Right, this is what we've been saying all along. Didn't think they would, you know, wait until the very last day, very last minute to secure a deal and announce it. But hey, here we are. Text line, phone line open for the next segment. Hit us up at 888-993-7762. We look forward to catching up with the Diamond Dogs head coach Lane Burroughs at 830. The morning drive is back after this. I got a couple of different things to touch here. And uh, the fact that Jake Martin watched a little bit of the uh, final round of that golf tournament on NBC and we knew the ratings would be high the numbers are in uh, final round had an overnight rating of 5.11 what does that mean that is the highest rated non-major PGA Tour broadcast since 2013 Sunday's final round was also the highest rated golf telecast outside of the Masters also since 2015 the other one was 2013 2015 I'm not shocked at all. No. I mean, we expected this. Yeah. You know, when Tiger is when Tiger is rolling, yeah. people tune in. Yeah. I am evidence of that. Yeah. I tuned in to see Tiger. Take that, white well, sports wife. People are watching. <laughs> oh, brother. You see, I, can, sep- I can separate his personal life with his professional life. Dude, Some can't. I, so, oh, we can have a whole segment on this, brother. I used to have this deal where I couldn't – all right, Johnny Manziel, for instance. Right. People like Johnny Manziel, people like John Jones, who were just not great people. You couldn't root for them. I used to couldn't root for or them. Or enjoy their performance on right, the field. Right, because I – but then 
I, I went through this phase where it was like, you know what, I'm rooting for these good people, but they're just not as exciting as these other people. And so, <laughs> I, seriously, and, and really, I guess it related more to fights because these, these yeah. great people would just have boring fights. I'm like, you know what, I, don't, I, I feel like I got gypped out of my money here. Yeah. Meanwhile, people like John Jones are going out there and, and doing stuff you never saw before. Yeah. And though he was uh, not necessarily a, a, a great civilian. Yeah. A role model. A role model. Yeah. Uh, he was a, he was a great fighter and he was fun to watch and so I kind of relate that back to Johnny Manziel. Yeah, he had a lot of issues off the field, but man, on the field he was fun to watch. I was a fan of his on the field, and so I made a decision at one point where, okay, I'm not going to, you know, um, I guess I don't know about publicly support, but I, I, in in a sense, I don't care about what they do off the field as long as they're entertaining me on the field mm -hmm. all right what they do in their personal life is, is their fault it's not like i'm going to hang out with these people it's not like i'm recommending them to to be the civilian of the year but what they do on the playing surface on the field whether mm -hmm. wherever it is if they're good at it if they're exciting heck i'll tune in i'll watch them but then it's a real bonus when you get to root for somebody that you had know has high morals and high character like drew Brees. yeah that's when it's like double whammy. You love you love rooting for for guys like that, like Drew Brees, like Peyton Manning. Uh, Peyton Manning was always a class act. Anyway, didn't mean to get off on that tangent there, but uh, yeah, you have to be able to separate it sometimes. Sure, because if you just rooted for the good guy, you know, that gets a little stale. <laughs> you know what I mean? It gets a little stale sometimes. Sometimes the, there's a reason. You I need think, a couple of heels in your life I to root for. There, yes, I think there's something about being a wild person that helps you in sports i really do so sometimes like some guys who are willing to make risks to take risks are they're just they just excel sometimes and i'm not encouraging people to be wild or you know or any any kids or anything to yeah hey, this will help me in sports no i'm not saying that i'm just saying some people are wired differently some people make choices that i wouldn't make but then they go out there and they pull off some things that i could never dreamed about mm -hmm. pulling off you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I guess I, I I didn't explain it well, but um, overall, I, I choose to separate it and just understand that they're just wired differently. Mm. And that doesn't mean I have to root against them. 888-993-7762. Uh, in terms of uh, odds for the Masters now, Tiger continues to just skyrocket up the list. And this is going to make uh, what's going to take place in April must-see TV. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm anxious – I'm on board now. I was I was hesitant. I was resistant, but yeah. now that I saw you were wrong, I was wrong. Yeah. I, I, I admit it. You I, were wrong. I just admitted it. Just last week, I said Tiger's back. I yeah, heard but, this dialogue. I'm tired of it. Quit hitting me over the head with it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was getting exhausting. It's like, dude, he can't be back every single tour and and fail. But he didn't fail last week. I know he came up short, but yeah. he was right there That's at right. the end, which is what counts and so yeah i'll i'll, I'll let you have your and day. A, on a star-studded leaderboard he was right there he was right there and so for you to say that he's back and he's in contention for the masters okay i'll buy that storyline i'll tune in i'm interested are you buying the storyline what's taking place with grambling athletics absolutely really am and, and i by the way they promote it too yeah and listen the success that they've had and you look at this athletic program and how they were down in the dumps a few years ago. That has certainly changed. It's changed on the football field with what Broderick Fobbs has done. James Cooper, of course, continues to get it done in baseball. And then now the basketball programs. And, of course, the men coming back and winning their first regular season championship in, what, 30 years? 
and now the girls advancing to the big dance for the first time since 1999. And by the way, the job that they're doing, promoting, and of course getting the word out about their student athletes, well done. So yesterday they they pulled no punches. They had a, a fantastic ceremony, a selection show uh, party for the Lady Tigers as they learned that they'll be heading to Waco to square off against Baylor in the NCAA tournament. Before the selection party, I had an opportunity to visit with uh, Paul Bryant, the athletic director there at Grambling, and we discussed where this program has come from and where he can take it to. Yeah, it is a historic day. It's the first time we've done this in 19 years, and, and having the young ladies participate in the NCAA tournament is something that we need. And, and we talk about the brand, and, and Gremlin's brand is, is international, and now we're able to use this national stage to really show what Gremlin Athletics, as well as Gremlin State University, is all about. Big picture overall, it seems like every program is doing extremely well. Did you think it'd come together this quickly for you in this athletic department? No, I didn't know that it would come together this quickly. But when you put people in that have the same passion and same drive that you do with, uh, uh, with the sports, I knew success would be here. Uh, didn't know it would be this, this soon, but we're going to sustain this success. And, and we have great coaches. We have uh, great administration. And, you know, it started with President Gallo's mission. He said nothing is too big or too bold, and we're, we're using that to, to further our, our cause. So how do you parlay this into bigger success? Well, what we do is continue to be successful. Uh, we want to get out in the community too, and that's one of the things that we, we have to do a little better job at really doing community service, but uh, bigger success is start winning at every level, and that's all of our sports. If we're in the top two with all of our sports, then I think that is success for our athletics program. Unfortunate situation with the men's basketball programs. Could have anything been done differently to get them into postseason play? Yes, uh, a few years ago, if we would have took care of our academic, <laughs> but uh, but you know we we've attacked that and uh, and we're doing a they're doing an exceptional job. They had uh, multiple guys. I think it was six guys on the athletic directors honor roll. So we're trending in that right direction. So uh, but it's sins of our past that came to to get us. But uh, I know the young men are they were disappointed, but they fought for that uh, regular season championship. People are gonna look at this production tonight and say Grambling's pulling out all the stops. I guess you felt it was important for these girls to get this recognition. Yes, it was very important because typically there's not a lot of hoopla around basketball, and particularly women's basketball, but we wanted to show the, the young ladies how important this was to us and how important they are to us as well. You know, no matter who you play, you're going to be a huge, huge, <laughs> huge underdog. Absolutely. We like that role because <laughs> this, remember last year we played in the WNIT and we were a huge underdog and uh, we beat uh, that team called, uh, I think it was Ole Miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff there from the athletic director from Grambling, Paul Bryan. I remember when he was uh, formally introduced as the new AD and, you know, some would call me a cynic or how do you, what do you like to refer to me? Uh, subtle jerk. Subtle jerk. Uh, he made the reference that uh, there will be no more free rides. Everybody is accountable. And, you know, the cynic in me, the subtle jerk, just smirked at that. And like, all right, we've heard this storyline before. But you know what? Everything he said so far has come true. He talked about the fact he wanted to make these improvements to Robinson Stadium. Well, guess what? You were wrong? Yes. The subtle jerk was wrong. Yeah. Well we done by We both we were wrong in this segment. Yes. So there you go. Humbling segment. Uh, let's take a timeout. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little Louisiana Tech baseball. Some more honors for them. They look forward to a big week, including a game against Little Rock later today. Lane Burroughs joins us after the break. 
Welcome back to the morning drive as we make the transition from college basketball to college baseball full time. Proud to announce that Elaine Burroughs will join us on Tuesday mornings around 830 or so. Louisiana Tech's head baseball coach joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Coach, how you doing this morning, bud? Doing good, Aaron. How you guys doing today? Good. Uh, busy day, busy week for you guys, as it typically is during the season. Uh, you'll be hopping on the bus very soon to head out to uh, Little Rock. First of all, we haven't had this discussion since last year. Kind of what is your mi- mentality and mindset for midweek games? It can be tough. Uh, you're talking about 18 to 22-year-olds, and sometimes in midweek ball games, uh, the weekends are so stressful and uh, you exhaust so much energy and emotion on a weekend, especially when league play starts, which it will this weekend. Um, sometimes it's tough to get those guys up to play a midweek ball game, and, and uh, you, you may have to talk them into playing sometime. But uh, our midweek games and everybody across the country are just as important as our weekend games. Obviously, you have to do good in league play uh, to get into postseason. But uh, where we're located geographically, uh, there's so many good teams around us and so many RPI opportunities uh in the middle of the week that uh they're so important and you know it's just the weekends are so tough and, and like i said there's so much emotion and uh they're they can be stressful and uh you turn right back around you play a midweek game sometimes you get a pillow fight out there but uh our guys have done great so far and very proud of them obviously we've gotten really good starting pitching middle of the week and that's where it, that's where it starts and ends on the mound as we all yeah, know coach, I- I was going to give oh, you a hard time. You're talking about stressful in these midweek games. Well, heck, when Liel is pitched in these midweek games, I mean, what kind of stress have you had? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's been amazing to watch him pitch uh, here early on. And uh, obviously, not only quality starts, outstanding starts he's given us. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it can be, if you're on the other side and the other dugout and you're coaching those hitters, it can be, it can be maddening sometimes because uh, he did the same thing to us in the fall and, you know, you see this big, tall lefty walk out there, and you think it's going to be 94, and, it, you know, it's not, and uh, not even close. Uh, the guy just knows how to pitch. And uh, David's one of those young men. He doesn't say a lot. Uh, as a matter of fact, he doesn't say too much at all. Uh, it's hard to get any words out of him, but he steps up on that bump, and uh, he <laughs> he lets his pitch and speak for himself. And uh, he's been great. It's fastball command and uh, command of a couple of secondary pitches, and he just absolutely attacks the strike zones. And uh, he's done a great job for us. Uh, glad he's on our side. It's it's good to have a guy in the middle of the week that can go out there and uh, give you a quality start. Will he make the start again today? Yeah, he'll start today. And, uh, you know, obviously the game's at 4 o'clock. So, like you said, leading in, we'll be leaving here at about 11. Uh, getting on the bus, that is a little rock. And uh, it'll be kind of a different playing a day game, so to speak, and uh, not a night game middle of the week. But, uh, yeah, David will take the ball today. And uh, we feel good about it if he – if he does run into trouble, we didn't have to use too much of our bullpen this past weekend. Obviously, we had a complete game on Saturday. And uh, so we feel good about what we got in our bullpen ready to go tonight. Yeah, starting pitcher pitching has been the main theme for you guys so far this year. And, of course, the news coming out yesterday, Logan Robbins named uh, the Conference USA Pitcher of the Week the second consecutive week that you guys have had somebody win that honor. What is that like as a head coach, knowing you're getting this kind of performances from your starting pitchers and to win two of these things in back-to-back weeks? Again, it begins and ends on the mound. And if you get a quality start, you're going to have a chance to win. And, you know, really he only made one mistake. He got behind on a left-handed hitter and the guy drove it out of the ballpark and that was a one run. He only gave up four hits and very efficient. I think he was at 102 at the end of the game and 
uh, he earned the right to go back out there and get that uh, complete game. And, uh, you know, Logan's just a winner, man. He's, he's uh, got two brothers that are in professional baseball right now, an older brother and a younger brother. And uh, he comes from a baseball family. And, um, you know, he, he won in junior college. He won in high school. And he continues to win at this level. And, uh, again, it's not uh, electric, electric stuff. It's just knowing how to pitch and competing. Uh, he goes out there and competes his tail off. And uh, very proud of him, proud of Coach Barton, our catchers, Chris Clayton, Jonathan Parker. They've all been in sync pretty much the entire year here early on. And, and I hope to can see, that, see that trend continue. If Coach Barton doesn't lock himself into a bathroom, it appears he's doing everything right for you guys so far. What can you say about your new pitching coach? Well, you know, the thing about and it, you're right, you know, the locking himself in the bathroom, we had to, we had to address that after the game. <laughs> and, uh, one, hey, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to write a book one day, and that's one of the chapters. So it's kind of – that story's kind of taking a life of its own. And, you know, you look back and laugh about those things. You just try to enjoy your life and your, your job and – that's one of those things you just laugh about. But he's been great. You know, that's just why we hired him. And, um, you know, his guys compete for him. He, he communicates. To me, that's the main thing. I've said it over and over is um, not necessarily go get the guy who teaches the best mechanics or this and that. Go get a guy who's going to have a relationship that, that's real and uh, connects. Uh, when you when I think of a pitching coach and a pitcher, connection's the word that comes to mind. And, uh, you know, he lets those guys do their own thing. I mean, it's not over coaching. It's, Sometimes our best coaching is our non-coaching. I've always said that. and uh, He lets those guys run their show and steps in when he has to, and it's the communications off the charts. And uh, We're fortunate to have him on our side. He's, he's been a great addition to our staff, to our university, and our community. All right, Little Rock uh, later today, an afternoon game. Then this weekend, everybody's looking forward to this. As Rice comes into town, how do the Owls look so far this year? Well, they're Rice. So, uh, you know, they, they're going to have tremendous players. And it's just like last year. They struggled early on, and all the coaches in the league and were sitting there going, when's Rice going to decide to turn it on and start playing? And they did in the conference tournament, and they won it going away, you know. So uh, they're dangerous. they got the leading hitter in our league, uh, Ford Proctor, their shortstop. He'll be a big leaguer one day. And they got professional players all over the field. And it'll be the best pitching staff we faced. And, uh, you know, they played a good schedule. And, um they, they, they started out there at Stanford, who one of the better teams in the country and didn't have success. But when you play a great schedule and, uh, you, you know, the game kind of slows down for you um, when you play those great arms, uh, they're still right. And uh, obviously our entire season doesn't, doesn't all revolve around one weekend. We can't approach it any differently. You try to tell your guys that. And, but it is league play. And we need to go out and get off on a good good start and a good note. And, uh uh, you know, it'll be a challenge. They got good arms. I know their Friday night guy's really good. He's got probably one of the better breaking balls in the country, and uh, he's a strikeout guy. So we'll have our work cut out for us. 17 games into this, and I know you'd rather be 17 and 0, but 12 and 5 right now. We talked about a lot of the strengths of this team, including the starting pitching. What has to continue to improve for you guys to take that next step? I think one thing is uh, we've gotten better the last two weeks is our just our, our entire offensive uh, approach has gotten better. And, and that, that doesn't mean scoring runs and getting hits. I think people confuse that. Uh, you know, it's, it's drawing our walks and grinding out at bats, making the guy throw more pitches and grinding him down and, and getting in the bullpen. And, and uh, we've left some men on base, but you, you take, I think it was Saturday, we absolutely crushed some baseballs with guys on and right at people. And you, you can't control that. Uh, but I feel like our offensive approach, taking balls in dirt and being aggressive and, and embracing the walk and 
you know, we talk about uh, the ingredients of a big inning, the walk, HBP, and air. It's not hitting, uh, and our guys have done a great job of that. And they're, they're starting to get in sync. Coach Creel's worked his tail off with those guys, and they get they get down in the cages, work on their strokes, and and um, they're they're doing a great job. Very proud of our hitters. They got to continue to get better because we're only going to face better arms as we get into league play and navigate through the season. And uh, that has to continue to get better for us to be successful because we feel like we're going to get good starts. We know every time out it's not going to be a great start. We know that. But we feel like what we have in our bullpen and we'll have a chance to win the ball game if we can scratch some runs and, and find a way to cross home plate. Coach, overall the weather hasn't been ideal, but I've been extremely impressed with the crowds that you continue to get out there at J.C. Love Field. What's that been like for you guys to get those kind of crowds this early in the year? It's just amazing. It, it shows the commitment from our administration and from our people in ticket sales and all the way up to the top, Tommy McClellan and um, and our fans. I mean, they want to see a winner, and they're hungry for a winner. That's what I tell our guys all the time. These, guys, these people are hungry. Uh, they want to see a winner out here at the Love Shack, and if you give them something they like to see, they'll come back. It's no different than a movie or or any any other kind of entertainment. If they like it, they'll come back, and um, it, it, it's so awesome. I think Saturday uh, it started off there wasn't many people, and I went to Coach Third and looked out at the street and it looked like a football game. I mean, there was just droves of people walking down the street, and you're like, man, this is amazing. And uh, that's the way we want it to be. We want uh, our place to be one of the toughest places to play in this part of the country, and. We want people not wanting to come in here because they know the crowd will get behind us and, and lift us up. And there's been many occasions in my short time here where, you know, our, our crowds have lifted us up and essentially said, you're going to win this game today. You guys aren't losing. And uh, that, that plays a big role and it makes a difference. I don't know if our fans realize that, but it does. And, and uh, it's just it's a fun and it's good in recruiting when you can tell people, hey, you're going to play in front of a lot of people. They come out, they get behind you. Uh, it makes for a fun atmosphere. Coach, good luck versus Little Rock later today and, of course, this weekend versus Rice. We appreciate the time, bud. Absolutely. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, Lane Burroughs, Louisiana Tech's head coach. That Louisiana Tech report brought to you by Legacy Rehab. They offer physical, occupational, and speech therapy solutions for many of our local health care facilities, whether it's sports medicine, pediatrics, or chronic pain management. Legacy covers it all. Serving locations in Ruston, Monroe, Bassett, Farmerville, Bernice, Minden, and South Arkansas. Call 255-5980 for more information. Jake, you look at the numbers for attendance, and uh, I think they had 1,500, 1,600 there uh, this past weekend for a game. I mean, you keep putting up those numbers, and you know how the crowds continue to get bigger and bigger as the season goes along, the weather improves. I mean, we could literally be talking about a, a program that could have top 25 attendance numbers in the country. Especially if they keep winning. Yeah. If they keep winning and putting this product on the field, Yes, I, I expect that number to continue to increase. And, hey, top 25 sounds reasonable. Well, you just look, and what they've done to J.C. Love Field over the course of the last couple of years, it's, it has a whole different feel to it from what it was before. And, of course, uh, major improvements were done under golf, and now they continue to be with Lane Burroughs. It just feels like a, a place that you want to be, and, of course, it has certainly helped as the quality of play has improved over the last couple of years. No doubt. That doesn't hurt at all. All right, Aaron, we've we've put it off long enough. I want to talk about some March Madness. We got some sound for March Madness. We've also got some sound for the NIT that we've been saving up for the partnership. I want to hear Bob Marlin again. We'll hear Bash Bob Marlin LSU again. basketball. Yes, we will hear that again. Plus. And then I want to hear Will Wade after the game and his remarks directed back <laughs> towards the Cajuns. <laughs> you know what I liked before? What he said before? He said, listen, 
we didn't do an NIT viewing party because we don't want to celebrate going to the NIT. Yeah, nice. I liked it. Party shots coming up after the break. Welcome back to the show. Before we get to our party shots, uh, I know you made a couple calls yesterday and look forward to a big high school game tonight on the Diamond. On the Diamond, yes. West Washita is squaring off with Sterlington tonight. And the Panthers are off to just a blazing start. They are averaging 12 runs per game. We knew that. They're uh, playing softball? We knew that lineup. Beer league softball? It seems like it. We knew that lineup was going to be dangerous. I don't know if we thought it would be 12 runs per game dangerous, though. So, yeah, they're off to a, a fantastic start, and they're getting good outings on the mound. You know, that, that was my biggest question mark is how would they replace Spencer Davis. Of course, we knew what Trey Rugg could do, but who was going to be the guy behind Trey Rugg. And they've had some guys like Adam Tubbs step up and, and really produce for them. So I'm looking forward to that because I still think, you know, West Washita is off to a 7-5 start. Five of their The five losses that they had could have easily been wins. I think they lost all of them either in the seventh inning or in extras. So, when know, I visited Mitch Thomas uh, last week, he mentioned uh, he scheduled a, a, a tough, tough schedule to start the year. And, and that's of course, what you see, and that's what I want to talk about real quick is, like, you look at West Monroe, you look at Neville. Man, their schedules, the teams that they're playing, it is absolutely brutal. And so you see their records. None, none of their records are, are, are good right now. Like, West Monroe's 4-9. Uh, Neville's three and ten, and by the way, they started off three and ten last year before they won the four A state championship. So, no, but I don't think I think people are looking at this and not panicking just simply because you know we know uh, that you know these teams are going to turn it on eventually. But so what do the opponents think when they schedule them? They're like, oh, this is tough. We got West Washita, West Monroe, and Neville on our schedules also. Yes, but for some reason, and I don't know why, but teams up here just slower. Uh, they just start slower. Um, usually they, they lose to those teams down south early, and then toward the end of the year, they're right there with them. Um, I don't know if it's because they have more turf fields down, down south or, or, or what the case is. They're able to get more in. But, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the, been the trend recently. I got one prediction for tonight for Sterlington, West Washita. What you got? Uh, it'll be breezy. It'll be windy. Oh, out it's going to be so cold, man. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to how cold it's going to be. That's got to be the, the coldest ballpark in Northeast Louisiana. It really is. And, like, they for Maybe some there's reason. Just no, there's no trees blocking the wind out there. And for some reason, they have the best sunsets. I know that doesn't sound <laughs> very masculine. But, like, when you, when you go to, like, a football game on Friday night, their sunsets are amazing. It's, it's really Makes for some good pictures. Uh, the romantic over here, Jake Martin. <laughs> Take your date to a Sterlington <laughs> football game. She'll love it. Let's get to our party shots. So I started when we didn't have computers, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of that garbage. You do what everybody else in the media does, just creates and throw it on the wall and see what sticks. I have something to ask, just like this. Let's do it. Where'd that come from? I never said that. Nobody in this building ever said that. So where'd you come up with that? Just, you know, had a dream about it or what? But see, it's real easy when you're not in the business, when you've never played the game, when you don't understand truly what the game is. And that's, to me, that's chicken. All right, Jake, where do you want to start with this parting shot? Well, let's go ahead and replay the Bob Marlin clip. Because the ULL coach was not excited about having to go to Baton Rouge. Let's set this up. The fact that they will be scoring off in the NIT. This will be the first meeting between these two programs for a long, long time. What uh, The 40s, I believe. LSU with an all-time record. 
of uh, 36. I think the last time they beat him was the 40s. I think they, and then they played in uh, maybe 2001. But there was a long gap when these two programs did not play. And obviously when Marlon took over the Cajuns program, that was one of his first things. He wanted to get this back on the schedule. So he would call down to Baton Rouge and ask whoever the head coach was at the time, hey, let's make this happen. And the response typically was, Jake, we'll get back with you. We'll get back with you. Yeah, that's probably what it was. So now they get this opportunity at NIT, and you just look at both teams and how their seasons have progressed. Uh, LSU, you would think, pretty happy. Uh, They won't say it on record, but being in postseason play. The Cajuns on the flip side, it appeared that they were going to cruise into the NCAA tournament before they stumbled in the Sunbelt Conference tournament in the semifinals. So Bob Marlin steps up to the mic yesterday and he addresses what this is going to be like scoring off against LSU on the road. Very responsive in uh, games in the past, so uh, it's a great opportunity. We would like to play this game at home. Uh, our athletic director reached out to uh, the commissioner this morning and also to a couple other people trying to get a read on the seating. Uh, since our RPI is much better, our record is much better, uh, we feel like our gym's better. There are a lot of things that uh, say that we should be a higher seed than we were. We got the second best record in the tournament out of the 32 teams. Uh, but uh, it is what it is, and we're excited just to be playing a short trip and go down the road to take on an LSU team that's going to be excited to play. A lot of times you get in the NIT and the, the SEC teams that finish tied for ninth or whatever they did uh, are not very interested in playing at this stage of the year, but they'll be interested because it's a big step for them. They've not been very good. We've had a better RPI in the team than than them the last couple of years in the state. So uh, with that, I'll take questions. <laughs> oh, man. So he, needs to just, he didn't even need to take questions. He should have just walked out, dropped the mic, I'm done. Yeah, that should be posted on every single LSU player's locker. Dude, that was fantastic. That was so he good. had a couple of talking points, and I think he nailed every one of them. He did. Tied for ninth in the SEC, well played. Better gym, well played. He just missed out on the hotter wives. Yeah, yeah. We got hotter wives, hotter girlfriends. Take that LSU. <laughs> we'll see you Wednesday night, Will Wade. Yeah. And your team that hasn't been very good. Um, and Will Wade just said before the game, he, he tried to kill him with kindness. He said, "We know their roster. We know they have good players. Coach Bob Marlin is a good coach. You don't win 27 games if you don't have a good team." They have good, thick bodies and older kids, kids that have been around the block. Will Wade needs to fire back and just like, well, he's done a good job with these hired guns that they brought in, all these transfer yeah. players, how they were able to mold all these wild personalities together. Uh, I give credit to Bob Marlin. That's what he should say. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> he could probably come up with something better than that. But we do have breaking news. Yes, uh, we need a news sounder. Sure. Um, <laughs> Richie, thank you for informing us, and, and we've looked it up since. Drew Brees and the Saints agree to a two-year, $50 million deal, $27 million guaranteed. There it is. We thought it was coming. It came sooner than later. Drew Brees got his money. He got his money. We can move on with our life. We got it done before Wednesday. It's great. Mm. All right. Last uh, last thing on the agenda. Your boy, Ron Hunter. You love Ron Hunter, don't you? I really didn't even realize he was still coaching at Georgia State. I thought he would have parlayed that one year with his 
Uh, he was the national darling, you know, with the, the broken leg, falling off the stool, all that. Yeah. He's still at Georgia State, doing it, quite well. In fact, he's back in the big dance. How's his son doing, by the way? I don't know. We don't know. Hey, what does his Wikipedia say? Uh, it listed him as a cheerleading coach. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Wikipedia is wrong every once in a while. <laughs> they made it to the big dance, as you know. They're squaring off with Cincinnati. Here's what Ron Hunter had to say before they take on Cincinnati in March Madness. What college athletics should be about is what's happening at Georgia State. Not all this FBI stuff and all this other stuff. It's about these guys right here to eat at McDonald's. You know, the, you know, you know what they, they told us today? That Cincinnati gets to stay at the Hyatt. We got to stay at Comfort Inn. Cincinnati gets to eat at Ruth Chris. We got to eat at Wendy's. But when it comes Friday at 2 o'clock, oh, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready to play. And so I can guarantee you that. That's pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, it is good. Maybe not as good as Marlins, but that was still pretty no, good. No, it wasn't as good as Marlins. Uh, Marlins... Marlins troll and shade game was just top notch. Uh, Ron Hunter was hit it right on the nose. I mean, Hunter's doing it with a smile too and joking a little bit. Yeah, uh, Marlins deadpan. Marlin is dry as can yeah, be. Yeah. Yes, uh, but I thought that was funny. I I can't wait for March Madness, man. The cool thing about March Madness to me is, like, you you look at. So college basketball isn't my favorite sport, but I will admit that March Madness never disappoints. Like we get Super Bowls, we get blowouts, we we got the Seahawks and Broncos. Couple hey, can Terry ago. make a little bit more noise when he comes in here? Can you not <laughs> tell we're doing a show? <laughs> we got Seahawks, uh, Seahawks and Broncos a couple of years ago. You know, Bucks, Raiders. But so you have some Super Bowls that disappoint. March Madness never disappoints, and that's why I am just pumped up for this week. Mm-hmm. Major uh, pre-show meeting taking place in the other room. We look forward to hearing The Edge coming up next. Tomorrow, what do we got going on? It's uh, Wednesday, correct? It is Wednesday, so we have our doctor segment. Uh, what else we got? Brookstore is going to join us as uh, they get ready for the WNIT. In fact, late textures will have a home game in the first round. That news coming down late last night. They will be scoring off against Missouri State. Yes. And you'll be dipping out early tomorrow? Yeah, so Puff Daddy will be in for the uh, second half of this show. We will break down the bracket. Nice. Uh, everybody have a fantastic day, man. We had a, a lot of guests on today, had a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.